Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're taking a trip down the cereal aisle with General Mills Global Lead for D2C, Carter Jensen. Two years ago, Carter joined the $18 billion, 100-year-old company with the task of building out the direct-to-consumer business framework for General Mills. This podcast is a rundown of the biggest challenges, wins, and insights he's generated along the way. You'll hear all about how Ratio, a General Mills keto brand group, and their hybridized retail slash D2C experience that meets the customer where they are. You'll hear all about the connected commerce journey and why D2C really ties the room together for the big General Mills. Uh, You'll also hear about the anatomy of a General Mills product drop, including the one they did for Stranger Things and Cinnamon Toast Crunch in the Upside Down. You got to see it to believe it. On with the show. What does D2C mean? Like, what's the purpose? Are we trying to make this a big revenue drive? And, and the answer is like, it's not a huge sales driver, right? You know, yes, it's meaningful and it is becoming a larger percentage, but we're not looking at sales as the main metric here. We're looking at that connected commerce journey. How are we creating the shortest, most friction-free path to purchase? What we have found is D2C is such an important, I would argue, vital part of that journey. It's a way that we're collecting more consumer data. It's a way we're serving our consumer better, even if we might have to lose some money on that first order. How are we creating that perfect kind of experience for the first time you try that new cereal or that new bar or whatever that might be. The consumers of today are expecting personalized value at every touch point. Sometimes that requires you to own the rails for a few transactions. Thousands of people have jump-started their TikTok content strategy using Coley's TikTok Creative Brief template. That's because it has all the steps for successful creator collaborations and best practices to create fun and engaging TikToks. If you haven't grabbed your copy yet, don't worry. Coley just dropped a brand new version of their popular template filled with even more tips and insights to level up your TikTok game. Head to coley.com slash TikTok to download your free copy and start creating TikToks for your brand that people actually want to watch. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Carter. Can you tell me, when you first joined General Mills in 2020, what exactly were you tasked with doing at that time? Yeah, Eric, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's a great question. So I I joined General Mills in the midst of the pandemic. So in June of 2020, we started here at Mills in the basement on the global e-com team. And I mean basement by in my home basement, not here at at Mills. But again, we were in the midst of the pandemic working from home. Um, and, And my focus here early, early on was, was all about really kind of diving into the global e-com world, right? So we were tasked with finding areas of opportunity around the globe, figure out how do we continue to accelerate our e-com strategy, specifically in the, the midst of a pandemic. So the scope was really broad, but I quickly found myself uh, square in the middle of uh, D2C here at General Mills um, just a few months after that. Yeah, I just when you mentioned the basement, I just think of the X Files. I think you got Mulder and Scully in the basement, you know, c- coming up with with ways to to bring D to C to uh, to the whole company. Must have been an interesting challenge. Were, were you given a lot of leeway? Like, describe a little bit about what it's like inside General Mills and the attitudes towards e commerce. I guess in the pandemic, everyone was accelerated. Hundred percent, yeah, and accelerates our, our core strategy here at General Mills, which we talk about all the time on a myriad of investor calls. But the core thing that we are really invested to is what we call connected. Comp- 
commerce and connected commerce, as you can imagine, you know, we start with kind of this e-com focus. We moved into this world of omni-channel and we like to think of connected commerce as one step beyond. And, and it's the full umbrella and I, I won't get too far into it, but it's the full umbrella that embraces everything, right? It embraces our chopper teams, it embraces our core customers, as you can imagine, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Kroger's of the world. And then it goes beyond. And, and this is where our team really likes to play and where D2C comes into play is trying to figure out what is the shortest, most friction-free path to purchase for our consumers? And and what's amazing about what we have today are tools that allow us to do that in really interesting ways. And so you look at like some of the things our customers have done over the last couple of years. You just think of like curbside, new delivery options. We're even playing with different things with quick commerce. Um, you know, it, it unlocks a, a world of opportunities for us to create unique experiences. And so that's what my team really focuses on now. Though I started in June of 2020 now, which was about two years ago, really focusing on the e-com acceleration. Now we're looking at connected commerce and figuring out what do we do to go a step beyond kind of the core traditional channels? What is that next kind of blue sky, that next horizon that we can start playing and experimenting within? How do we be on our toes versus our heels as we look to what the next iteration of commerce might be? And it's a really exciting place, as you can imagine, especially in a manufacturer of food. And, and we just feel really lucky that we get to play and play in that new horizon. Can you give me an example of, of connected commerce at play? Like what, what do you like? give me an example of a brand that's leveraging connected commerce right now? Totally. And of course, I'm going to pick on some of you know the brands that I know and love, and, and um, especially one that really leverages DTC in a unique way. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get more into this as we kind of dive into some of the case studies that my team has led. But we recently just launched a new store for Ratio Keto Bar. So Ratio is a, a smaller product line that we have that's a really kind of interesting play. Uh, we're focused really on the keto conscious consumer, really easy to eat, easy to snack on, easy to grab and go bars. They also have yogurts and a couple other products that allow kind of the new keto consumer to really kind of have that convenience and, and different, you know, kind of product utility at play. And so for us, what we did is we built this really beautiful new dot com for, for the keto consumer. And we didn't stop there, right? So when you think about connected commerce, Eric, you had mentioned, you know, what's a good example. And so for this, we knew that the keto consumer was looking for solutions online, right? Whether that was new recipes or hacks or solutions for kind of the new diet they were taking on. And so we wanted to build a system that could meet them where they are, right? Online, looking for uh, those solutions and not just drop them into like a retailer PDP, not just hit them with an awareness banner that says, buy more ratio keto bars, but create a really connected commerce experience now. So we may hit them with a you know banner ad or we might hit them with a really kind of interesting hook from a paid media perspective. But then when they land in the .com, the, the location of that landing spot is a, a beautiful kind of value-add commerce experience. So you can learn more about the keto diet. You can learn more about the products. But right next to it, on P our PDP pages, we have all of the different ways that you can actually purchase the bar, right? So it's not just, hey, buy it at Target or, hey, just buy it at Walmart. We have ways that they can buy direct-to-consumer, right? So if they want to pack a 16 bars on their front step in two days, we enable them to do that. But also, if you're driving home, buy a target, want to do curbside, you're only a click away from adding it really to kind of your, your target order. And, you know, we don't, we don't actually end there either, right? So now that we know the consumer, we can follow up with them. And if they're buying a 30-day pack, you better believe that in 20 days, uh, we're following up with an incentive maybe for them to purchase again. Maybe that's a coupon. Maybe that's a customized uh, email that really personalizes the value add as they work towards their keto journey. So it's a very stereotypic example and one I'm, I'm really excited about because we just launched it. But you can see how we're not just going from awareness media and dropping into PDPs. We're really following them through that entire commerce journey and connecting each individual touch point along the way. It's kind of breaking outside of Shopify a little bit, right? Like, you know, so many advertisers listening to us, which is like Shopify is sort of the be all end all, but you're sort of engineering a solution that, yeah, works, works on a more holistic level. Um, 
So, Carter, how does General Mills break down its play in the D2C space today? Yeah, totally. So it's a great question, and, and it's actually interesting because we see kind of three unique categories that we're, we're you know, kind of running D2C activations in and really kind of pushing D2C. So I mentioned I joined in 2020, and one of my first kind of goals or really kind of directives was, you know, go find what's going on in the organization, as I mentioned. And what I was finding was that DDC was springing up little pockets of energy across the org. So we had teams in our, our founders organization, our G-Works, where they're coming up with new brands and new products, and, and they're going DDC, launching digitally native uh, products. And they had a lot of different activities going on within that world. Our brand teams were doing DDC for partnerships or exclusive product drops, really kind of paying off different campaigns. And so you had that strategy. And then you also had some of our products, if you look across our portfolio, uh, specific products kind of lead their way kind of to more of a traditional DDC path. And so those teams and those brand leaders were going against kind of the traditional sales metrics, right? So today we've built a capability that supports each one of them in a unique way. Obviously, there are some consistencies within tools and capabilities, um, but there's also a ton of differences. And so as we move into year two, we're seeing this kind of exponential growth in each one of those categories, and we're continuing to support them in, in those unique ways. How many activations would you say you've sort of launched? I know, I know the way that you work is with individual founding teams. You say pockets of energy. I think that's interesting because that's really what it comes down to in this industry, I think, is people and their talent. And that's where you're not going to be able to do it with a playbook. You know, everything needs to be done kind of by great people. So that's a cool way to view it. Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting because as you think about the three different kind of categories, you have some brands that are always on, right? You have drops and kind of brand promotions that are constantly cycling. Um, and then you have the founders teams who might be, you know, putting a product into market and they might not have found the right product market fit they were going for. And so they'll recycle and try something different. Um, and so we're constantly seeing that rollover. But overall, we we're seeing about 30 different activations a year that my team oversees. Um, as you mentioned, too, you know, um, we're not necessarily the quarterback in each one of those, right? We're kind of the supporting role. We're the coach. We bring the capability. Uh, we bring, you know, the kind of expertise from a D2C perspective to the table so that the teams that know their brands the best can actually lead that project. But we bring the intricacy and kind of expertise from a D2C perspective um, in order to make that happen. So we're a lean, mean team of four of us, um, and we're international, so we cover the whole globe. But that's really kind of the, the, the system that we've put into place to be able to scale and kind of own all 30 of those activations to ensure that you know, everyone has what they need. What's been the biggest challenge about this role at General Mills? What's about activating e-commerce across the organization? Well, totally. So the, the e-com question is big. So let me just maybe start with the D2C perspective and then I kind of expand to the e-com one because that's obviously a huge, not only initiative, but priority, obviously, for our organization. From a D2C's perspective, I just think that um, no one realized, and, and you know, everyone who's listening to this, this is what you live and breathe each and every day. But no one realized kind of the depth of expertise that we had to bring to the table. Um, so a, a great example is like the supply chain and logistics. Um, no one does supply chain and logistics better than General Mills, right? We've been doing it for 150 years flawlessly, and, and we were super proud of that. But shipping truckloads to Walmart and to Target is very different than shipping an individual pack to a household in, let's say, Tennessee. Um, and so what we had to do is we had to build a stack of capabilities that spanned every kind of touch point within What's the need for D2C? So we had marketing, you know, the commerce platform, accounting, finance, you know, supply chain, fulfillment. And, and we had to kind of fill that gap. So we brought kind of the best team to the table. So um, when I joined, I, I was not an expert in 3PLs and kind of the logistics behind what it takes to be successful in that world. And I won't say I'm necessarily an expert today, but um, I definitely know enough uh, to be dangerous. We know enough to accurately serve our, our teams. And you can imagine that, that that kind of example spans again to that accounting, to the marketing, to the platform and technology side of things. And so that was the biggest challenge was, you know, we couldn't just come in and say, oh, yeah, I know Shopify. I know how to do marketing. 
like you got to do so much more. And I think that's, well, something I'm really proud of is, is that we can bring that whole solution to the table and to make sure that everyone can accomplish D2C with speed. And I imagine there's no, like across these brands, there's probably no one size fits all solution. So but everything requires uh, a bit of a framework, but then a lot of flexibility within that, I'd imagine. Yeah, totally. And, and again, you know, to, to pick on something that I know the listeners of this podcast talk about all the time, but one thing we're super lucky to have in, in this kind of day and age is we do have kind of modern MarTech or technology tools that can scale in really unique ways. And um, what's great is, you know, we're a Shopify partner and we can deploy a Shopify site for an experimental brand that might just want to get into market to mess with some product market fit or try a new service offering or whatever. And we can spin that up and have them ready, you know, before lunch, right? But at the same time, some of our biggest D2C systems are also running on Shopify. Now they're supported and built in a little bit of a different way as you can imagine. But like when we look at those types of tools, like I just feel super lucky. So, you know, we pick Shopify for a reason. We have kind of that nimble nature of the fast moving kind of experimental type brands or the promotional drops or whatever it might be. And then we kind of have that long-term solution. And of course, you know, our agency support system fits right into that. We have great agency partners that support Shopify. And then of course, the app ecosystem that we kind of plug into also really helps us out because we can add capabilities pretty quickly. And so um, we, we lean heavily on really kind of a, what I like to think is a modern tech stack compared to the rest of the organization, because it gives us that speed. And thanks to kind of the quality of those tools today, it gives us a scale as well. And you have to, just because there's not, like you say, you're, you're, you're built for, for mass distribution, which is the major advantage uh, that a company like General Mills has. They, you literally own whole aisles in, you know, once a week for people walking through the store. Um, so that's what's interesting to me is, is when a company like this can have, you know, have that distribution locked up, like what D2C enables, like what does D2C enable for General Mills, you know, bearing in mind that you have that the distribution piece locked up? Totally. And, and I think what it enables is different for each one of those categories, right? And so we can dive into to whichever one we think is best. But if you think of for some of our founders teams, we're starting new brands that might not be, you know, totally fleshed out yet. We're still kind of working with what's going to best serve that new consumer in terms of a product. Um, what D2C enables, it enables us to get product in consumers' hands quickly, right? It allows us to go digitally first, it allows us to, you know, ship right from our, you know, test plant um, and ship it to people's homes. And now, not only do we have product in their hands, but we have all the first party data around who they are. And so we can follow up with questions and maybe even ask for interviews to kind of get uh, feedback on, on how they like the product. And, and, and that's what D2C is enabling. It's enabling speed from a experimental point of view, from a promotional point of view or a promotional point of view, when we do these drops, like, there's nothing better than being able to actually send physical products to people that are coming from like, let's say a new partnership, whether it's with our partnership with, you know, um, Stranger Things, right? Or it might be our partnership with um, Cause, like we do with Reese's uh, just a couple months ago. Um, but of course, everyone sees it coming to life online. You know, it's leaked on Reddit, uh, you know, whether it's paid or owned Instagram and, and, and TikTok stuff is everywhere. But the idea that people can actually click through in one or two taps and actually have physical product at their front door in in a really beautiful kind of collector's like case it's pretty amazing we're pretty making this physical experience come to life from kind of what used to just be digital realm so it enables i think a really kind of immersive fanatic experience for kind of our, our most true and avid fanatics um across the organization and then from a sales perspective um yes of course sales are, are a big part of that but um we're also learning more about the consumer you know as you can imagine you know it's a great source of data for us we're able to understand who the consumer is and then we're able to personalize messaging like we haven't been able to do before um and so as you can see kind of what d2c enables for each one of those categories is so different and that's why um, we support each kind of in a, in a unique and individual way 
Let's talk drops. Like you mentioned Stranger Things. I just watched the first episode, was just freaked right out by a couple of the scenes in that first episode. But I, I, you showed me the link to to this uh, limited edition, upside down, you know, cinnamon toast crunch Stranger Things. Talk about the anatomy of uh, General Mills drop. Like what, what goes into that? For sure. Yeah. So uh, that was one of my favorite collector's boxes is actually had a fold out. Everything was upside down. It was really cool. And, um, you know, we still have a couple floating around here. So I'll see if I can get my hands on one. But, um, but yeah, so the anatomy of a drop. So obviously each one's different based on the partner, right? So, you know, we're working with Netflix in terms of Stranger Things. We're working with Cause in terms of the Reese's Puff work that we did. Um, But the anatomy of a drop is what I love is that D2C is really kind of this kicker that comes in at the end of, of the campaign. So our brand teams and the leaders within our partnerships organization, the leaders within the brand experience teams are, are really leading that relationship. So what once was just a digital kind of campaign, now we can bring in D2C and actually allow our consumers to get this product in their hands. And so usually what ends up happening is, is that we have a limited quantity of maybe a special edition product. And these are our collector's boxes. Usually when we're talking about cereal and they come in this beautiful kind of case, acrylic case that you can set up. And, and it's just it's just really cool. Um, so we'll get a handful of these, right? Maybe a few thousand, maybe more than that. And we hype it up, right? We use the partnership. We use kind of maybe the celebrity that we're working with to really kind of talk about how, you know, the launch is coming. It's going to be at 9 a.m. Eastern or whatever it might be. And we have to build the infrastructure and really kind of the platform in order to facilitate that flawlessly, right? Now, has it always been perfect? We've learned a lot, as you can imagine, over the last two years. Um, But now, I like to boast the last few have been, have been really flawless as I knock on wood, where we will run through tens of thousands of units of these special edition, you know, acrylic coated boxes in a matter of seconds. And again, a nod to both the team we have here and the agencies that back us and the tech stack we've built. Uh, we flawlessly accept those orders and we collect user data to ensure that we're actually communicating to these consumers about where the product is and shipping and all that kind of fun stuff. And then um, the orders are, are placed to the 3PL network that we've we've built and, and are usually out the door before business closed that day on doorsteps the next morning. So um, it, it, it is really interesting to see how D2C has come to life for these drops, really kind of putting this physical spin, allowing actual physical products in, in consumers' hands to what once was more of a digitally first um, kind of promotion. Wrong size, wrong color, didn't look right in the living room? There are hundreds of reasons your customers return products, but returns don't have to be goodbyes. They can be an opportunity to complete the shopping experience. Built exclusively for Shopify, Loop lets you create a delightful return experience to attract and retain more customers. By making it easy for your customers to find products they love, they'll come back again and again. See why thousands of Shopify brands like Allbirds, Chubbies, and Brooklinen trust Loop as their return partner at loopreturns.com slash DTC. So, you know, we're partnered with Pilot House, the agency. We're very, a uh, you know, an ad-focused group. What would you say in, in your activations, where have ads played the best role? Like, what's an instance where either paid social ads or Google ads paid either a profitable or just a, a really strong role for one of these activations? Yeah, totally. And, and I'll even go beyond kind of drops. I think you apply it to drops or even our always-on channels or maybe even experimentation but one of the things we've loved and, and what we think has really unlocked is once we move our products to D2C, it unlocks the product catalogs, which enables brand new ad units, both from a paid and owned perspective, right? So what was once basic, if you think of like that dynamic product ad unit, right, um, from a paid perspective, I think people who've been listening to this podcast have been using it for, I think it's been around for five, six years, right? It's been around for a long time. 
What's different is, is we haven't traditionally been able to use those because we don't have product catalogs. We, we have catalogs within our customers, right? We have Target catalogs, and we have Walmart catalogs. And of course, based on kind of some of the rules and laws around that, we can drop people in and, and do that kind of thing. But we've never been able to use basic things like product tags and things like that. And, and what, what we have found is that D2C, enabling that product catalog and enabling kind of that direct connection between our owned platforms and then our social platforms has opened up this world for us to finally jump on the bandwagon of new ad units or ad units have, have been around for a while, but are new to us. And then my team is focusing to go a step further to figure out, okay, now that we've unlocked that, like, what does this new world of social commerce mean for not only drops, but these always on channels, right? Like what happens if we can go from a recipe video to either having it on your way or adding it to your cart in a single click? Like, it's pretty incredible to see how, you know, we see all this content going viral, specifically on TikTok, look at food, like, I can now get that in, you know, in the mail or, or, you know, in your cart for Target curbside or Walmart curbside in a matter of a click or two. And it's just unlocking all these new opportunities for us, which is really exciting. Is tracking possible through things like curbside? Is there a way, because, you know, obviously attribution is something you always talk about when, when, when you're driving through Shopify, you, you hope you have that sales attribution, although increasingly it appears to be off. Is it something you can drive through these other, uh, these other channels? Traditionally, no. So it's really challenging, as you can imagine, right? So we use, uh, you know, partnerships with, you know, companies like Hyphen, which is a shoppable partner that we use. We use uh, Basketful and Whisk and those other types of things where, you know, they're these interstitial partners that allow really great user experiences to go traditionally from link click, right, into this shoppable platform, then they can choose your retail if you're not going traditionally D to C. Um, and I mentioned earlier in, in the program when we talked a little bit about Ratio Foods, which is a, a brand that we just launched. And what we've done is we've also, we've slammed kind of our retail partners and our D2C offering together into one kind of landing location. And so what this allows us to do is allows us to track all the way through when we own the rails, like when we own the purchase. And then when we don't own the purchase, when the consumer chooses that they would like to go to a retail partner of ours, we can see all the way to add to basket. And then from then on, you know, it's a little bit of a guessing game. Um, but we think the add to basket rates a, a pretty good metric. Um, and then, of course, we have different kind of equations that we can run to understand the kind of propensity to purchase based on that add to basket and based on the complexity of the order. So we're pretty close. Um, we're closer than we've been before. And when we slam kind of traditional D to C and kind of these retail partners, what we're using hyphen for together. Yes, there are gaps in the picture, but we're able to paint a much clearer picture than we ever have been able to before. When you talked about product catalogs previously, would this all be an, an individual brand? Uh, like, would you be seeing different kinds of Cheerios, for instance? Or is there that play to, like, replicate the cereal aisle in a catalog ad across all of your brands? Yeah, totally. So right now it's brand by brand, right? And it's, it's all based on how the brand would like to go to market. So, like, if you think about the ratio brands, right, um, ratio has bars and yogurt and some other different ancillary products with more products on the way. So the platform is ready to go. So it's got, you know, our morning foods team involved. It's got our snacks team involved. It's kind of got all corners of, of the world coming in to build this one beautiful catalog for the ratio line. Now it's interesting and I, you know, I, I won't promise anything here, but the tools are now at our team's fingertips. So though we don't necessarily have an activation to say we're replicating the cereal aisle, because of the capabilities we build, which we're, we're calling D to C, but in reality, as you can see, you know, kind of understand as we're talking, like it's much beyond transaction, right? Um, the reality is, is that our, you know, morning foods team could call us up and we could have 
a replicated cereal aisle in a matter of weeks, right? Versus months and years, which traditional teams have brought in. And so that's what we love about what we bring. You and I can brainstorm all day, but there's no one that knows those opportunities better than the brand leaders who are, you know, meeting with our consumers all the time. They know like what our retail partners are looking for. They know kind of, you know, what is their priority and their priority and opportunities for the year. And traditionally technology has always been this barrier. We've just completely knocked that down. We say, hey, the tools are here. Like, what do we want to do? Um, and so we've seen some really interesting things come out in the last six months. And on the roadmap for the next six months is, is um, some other things that we can't too talk about. But, um, you know, we're starting to figure out, like, what does that portfolio play look like? And, and we're ready to go based on this kind of tool set that we've built. I was talking about, you know, in the pre-interview, but we've got like in this agency that we're partnered with, there's a channel, of, I think 30 people dedicated to just serial lovers. It's just serial lovers. So I just feel like there is such a palpable experience in that serial aisle. People have such an attachment to the different kinds of serials and limited editions. I just think there's a real opportunity for, for that. So I hopefully, you, hopefully you can send this podcast to some of those brand leaders because I think you need to get in the serial aisle I know. on catalogs. Get that moving. Well, I was thinking it's like, all right, we'll do some cereal and some chilled milk all in a nice, beautiful case. And it can come to you via one of our quick commerce partners in a matter of minutes. It'll be perfect, right? Oh, my God. Limited edition. You get artist editions of their favorite cereals. Oh, my goodness. Well, Eric, I, as I said, I'm going to pack I'm going to pack up some stuff from around the office. We'll go to our store here, which is just down, down the hallway. And I'll, I'll pack up some Cheerios and things for your team. And we'll make sure they're taken care of. Oh, I love it. And for my daughter, she's a huge Cheerios fan. Uh, multi-grain, I'll plug her. She's already multi-grain, multi-grain right. Cheerios, so she's ahead she, of the game. Good for her. We'll get her some multi-grain Cheerios, no problem. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so th- you mentioned this earlier, and to me, I, th- I just think it's so interesting. When you work with so many products that are so ubiquitous to so many people, like what does influencer marketing even mean? Like you just, if people just like, you know, put their camera up to their cereal cupboards, half of them would have your products in them as native ad placements. So how, how does a division like yours specifically within General Mills view influencer marketing? Totally. So you can look at this through kind of our marketing efforts and obviously each individual brand is going to kind of leverage this in different ways, right? So our Reese's and let's say our cinnamon toast crunch and those types of things are going to be very different than let's say the multi-grain Cheerios that your daughter likes. And of course, the brand leaders and the partnerships team who are overseeing these brands are, are really at the forefront of what that might be. For us, we we love this idea of influencer marketing. We're able to get our brands to be a part of culture. Um, and we think it's really important. And I think, you know, it's kind of our duty to continue to deliver on that, even though, you know, our brands are ubiquitous. They've been around for over a hundred years. And so who better to be a part of culture and who better to kind of continue to shape what the world sees and looks like than some of the brands that we've kind of all known and love and grown up with think Saturday morning cartoons, you know, are, are right in line with, with the products that we deliver. So for us, what we love is, is that, you know, over the last 10 years, we've seen the shift of like, of course, all these partnerships and influencer programs are all online. Right. And we can talk about whether we're doing, cooking with an influencer, which obviously is big for some of our, our baking kind of organization. Think Betty Crocker, think Pillsbury, think those types of things, or, or just more kind of uh, culture-focused influencers for some of the cereal brands and snack brands that we use. What I love is now we can actually pay off those partnerships and pay off those partnerships from a brand-owned perspective. And I mean that by saying, let's not just look at beautiful recipes. Let's buy beautiful recipes, and you should bake it for your family tonight, right? Let's not just you know crave about the... Uh, you know, let's say Dunkaroos or the Gushers that you're seeing, you know, at 10 o'clock on a Friday night after you get home with your friends, right? Like, let's allow you to get that delivered by GoPuff with two taps. Like, how are we creating that connected commerce experience from the influencer, right? From that content they're creating, all the way to having that product in your hands if you don't already have it. And I think that's what we are excited about, because not only it's because of the capability, I can boast about our team all we want, but like, 
the capabilities that we're seeing our retailers bring to the table, the capabilities we're seeing some of these startups bring to the table, just completely unlock those types of what we call connected commerce experiences. And I think it's our job and a huge opportunity for my team and for our kind of group as we look to that is like, how are we making sure we're doing the best we can to deliver upon that? Like, how do we not just have an influencer who posts beautiful pictures, endorses the product, but allows you to take action, right? And I think that's what this connected commerce ecosystem, that's what this new D2C ecosystem is finally bringing to the table. And, and we're just seeing the start of it. So where does Amazon, where does the, the elephant in the room fit into the distribution strategy? For sure. And as you can imagine, Amazon's, you know, a, a loyal customer and in partnership with Treasure, obviously. Um, you know, we do my my team focuses more on, you know, what does 3P mean for some of our startup brands? Right. Um, if 1P doesn't necessarily make sense, like we look at some of the 3P options. Um, and what's interesting is, is brands who are looking to go to 3P, maybe because it's quicker, you know, you know, they just want to get into market and try something really quick. Um, need some of the same infrastructure that our D2C brands need. They needed to understand what does fulfillment look like. They need to understand what does individual product labeling, you know, mean. It, it, you have to figure out, like, how do you build a PDP page? And as you can imagine, for people who are listening to this, it, you know, it's obviously very easy to think about for, for, for founders teams who might have a focus in product engineering or consumer insights, and that's where they excel, you know, they've never maybe built a PDP page. They don't understand the anatomy of what that looks like. And so, again, we'd like to partner with them. I come from a weird background where, you know, I've done some Amazon 3P work in addition to my D2C, you know, world. And we say, great, like, let's let's help you get into that world. And let's pair you with an agency or pair you with the right support group. Or maybe it's getting you in touch with our Amazon core team, which is, you know, of course, an incredibly strong part of the organization. And to say, like, how do we take maybe this really small brand and use Amazon's tools, whether it's 3P or something else, in order to achieve that objective, whether that's testing in market or driving scale or moving on more to be a 1P brand eventually. But um, that's that's really the way that we overlap with Amazon um, here at General Mills, which is very different than our core business. Very cool. Yeah, I've got uh, Unilever's coming on the podcast in the next couple of weeks um, and to talk a little bit about their their go-to-market strategy and their, their product testing strategy. And I know that I'll, I'll, I can tease that it definitely involves Amazon as a, as a major pillar. So you can compare notes after that. Well, I'm super curious. And of course, we're looking at the marketplace solutions for a lot of our other customers too, right? There's other customers who are coming to life with, with different marketplace solutions, different kind of 3P-like type offerings. And you know, we're really in tune to that because now, again, thanks to this infrastructure, it's no longer a daunting ask. The, the business leaders can focus on the business challenge and the business ask rather than seeing all these kind of barriers in terms of technology. We got the fulfillment, we have the infrastructure, we have the tech, and now we can fully take advantage of it. And I think that's just what's been, been really valuable to the organization. Uh, I'm just looking. So $17.63 billion in 2020 was the, the reported revenue. I don't know how accurate that is. I think it's a public company, so probably pretty accurate. What what do you think? Where does D2C go? How big can D2C get for a company like General Mills? Obvi- I know there's all these other reasons you've articulated for why it's valuable, but where the rubber meets the road, like how big can D2C get for General Mills? Yeah, Eric, you, you talk about a very highly debated topic, as you can imagine. In, and this has shifted three or four times, even my short two years I've been here at General Mills, when I first got here, you know, it's highly contentious. Like, what does D2C mean? Like, what's the purpose? Are we trying to, you know, make this a big revenue? And, and the answer is like, it's not a huge sales driver, right? You know, yes, it's meaningful and it is becoming a larger percentage, but um, we're not looking at sales as the main metric here. We're looking at, you know, again, to throw some more buzzwords at you, right? It's that connected commerce journey. How are we creating the shortest, most friction-free path to purchase? What we have found is D2C is such an important, I would argue, vital part of a stepping stone in that journey, right? It's a way that we're collecting more consumer data. It's a way we're serving our consumer better, even if we might have to lose some money on that first order. How are we creating that perfect kind of experience for the first time you try 
that new cereal or that new bar or whatever that might be. Now, do we have some categories that might play and, and see their competitors maybe doing huge amounts of revenue? 100%, right? Yes. And we have uh, maybe some aspirations buried in there. But at the end of the day, we don't see D2C as being, let's say, the next big kind of sales sales channel, right? We see it as being a vital part of, as I keep mentioning, this journey. And I think the consumers of today are expecting that, you know, we deliver personalized value at every touch point. Sometimes that requires you to own the rails for a few transactions. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if Target pickup or Walmart pickup or, or shipped or Instacart's the best way for you to acquire our products, like that's where we want you to go. You know, we're lucky to have distribution. And so who are we to try to pull that away from anyone? Like we want you to, to go the best route that makes sense for you and your family and the situation that you're in. To me, it's just calling out for a newsletter. This is free advice. But if you made a newsletter called The Serial Isle that also had a way that all your brands could sell through and you could create that nostalgic experience, tell people about product drops, I think you're in a unique position with a bunch of legacy brands that people have so much affection for. I feel like not every legacy brand has that nostalgic connection. And I feel like it's a real opportunity for, for General Mills there. So if you want to talk about I'll this. I'll steal I'll that talk from about here. That after. Well, yeah. We'll do a couple of them. We'll do one for cereal, right? And we'll do one for kind of our meals and baking units. We'll have the Betty Crocker team on one side. I think it's good. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of diversify across things. We'll, we'll follow in your footsteps. I love it. Okay, good. I'll be able to say I launched a thousand newsletters. The, the big question is, that, is if we were to give you $50,000, I know that's probably dropping the bucket for, for some of General Mills' uh, budgets. But right now, if we were to give you $50,000 for one of your activations, what sort of activation would you pick? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's not a drop in the bucket. It's still a lot of money, right? Regardless of where you go. I think one of the things that I continue to make my head bigger is I can do a boast about my team, right? And what we've built. But I think one of the things we're super proud of and in a corporate environment, if you come from a big CPG or corporation, I think you'll, you'll truly understand this, but we've been able to get kind of our core costs of building new D2C, you know, platforms incredibly low. Right. So gone are the days of, you know, having to wait months or years and huge teams for UX and UI and all this types of stuff, right, to build out kind of a starter D2C experience. And I would say I would love to take that 50 grand and go to like one of our challenger brands. And I call challenger brands, you know, you can define that whatever way you want. But like, I would love to go to like Gushers, right? I would love to go to, you know, Dunkaroos. I would love to go to some of these kind of more kind of younger adult focused type products and say like, hey, like, how do we make this the next thing like Totino's, right? Like what would that look like? And how do we build a D2C experience for you? And again, like to say, we're going to ship frozen pizza rolls across the country probably isn't right, but like, what could we do? Like, could we pick some key markets and all of a sudden, you know, do something a little different or how do we, how do we back that up? And I think I would use it to try to figure out like, what's a new kind of crazy idea that we could take D2C uh, without necessarily worrying too much about how profitable the whole thing was but just to deliver like a new experience on behalf of as you mentioned eric like one of those iconic brands like how do you get gushers back in your house after you've had it right in the last 10 years first of all i know we're in the matrix because literally i just went shopping on sunday and for the first time in my life my daughter was like give me those and they're gushers yeah totally and i was actually explaining to her about this so they're like a regular gummy but there's this like goo inside there's stuff she's, in the middle yeah she's, she's all in just like totino so i'm seeing uh you, you like things stuffed in the middle but i i think you nailed it like like um cinnamon toast crunch is is the thing in some ways right like it became it captured the imagination it's this like for some reason it's the cereal people talk about so yeah how do you how do you create other situations to make things become the thing in culture Totally. Yeah. And like, even look at, you know, things like, you know, 
the idea of this air fryer that's coming, you know, all of a sudden everyone has air fryer, oh, yeah. which is super cool. And um, for me, you know, I always grew up of putting pizza rolls in the microwave, right? That's just how I grew up. And Eric, you probably said the same thing. You know, we kind of live in the same world of like, and you just, you dealt with the product that came out of that, right? Which you knew would be better if you put it in the oven, but you needed them now. Like you needed it, you know, in four minutes, right? The air fryer has like opened up this new opportunity and it's not just for pizza rolls. Uh, we have a whole new line of recipes for Pillsbury that are all about the air fryer. Like imagine if you started like playing on that kind of convenience role and, you know, as your daughter gets into pizza rolls, make sure you have that air fryer. I love it. Uh, and this is an idea this podcast isn't out yet, but I just, I, I've mentioned it a few times on different podcasts, but it's from the tab sex chocolate guys. Uh, and I don't know if you, you don't know about this, but they created an aphrodisiac chocolate crossover. This is interesting. That is it's this sure. totally uh, sort of viral experience. But what they've done on social media is they've partnered with influencers in a way where they get to become franchises. You know, so they have multiple influencers that have like al- almost their own storefront where they then become the Tabs chocolate influencer with this focus or the Tabs chocolate influencer that does this. So I, I just I wonder if there's a play ever where you could have you know influencers who sort of like get bequeathed the brand for a period of time or something. Anyways, wild idea. You'll have to listen for that podcast. No, I, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking all these ideas there. Cause you know, this is like a free brainstorming session that we're just creating here. And it's like, Oh, I wonder what we could do. Like, I mean, even if you think about like gaming, right, you see a lot of our brands playing kind of in the gaming space and we align really well with some of the gaming, you know, kind of things, but like, what would be a special product line coming out of, I won't even mention names. Right. But like, how could we maybe reconfigure something that would allow, let's say a influencer to kind of own it for their category. And the, the world is, is our oyster. And, and now with D2C and kind of the capabilities we've built, it's possible. Amazing. Nice. Well, let's leave it there for now. I think we'll probably have to do a check-in once some of these plans that you're you're working on uh, come to fruition. We can kind of check back in on how they went. This has been awesome, Carter. Thanks for coming on the D2C podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Eric. Appreciate it. Just quickly, if people want to reach out, is are you available on LinkedIn? Is that something uh, you'd be interested in? Yeah, for sure. LinkedIn is best. You can just look me up, Carter Jensen. There's a couple of us. We're all friends. Oddly enough, I reached out to them about five years ago, but you'll, you'll find me with no problem. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.